Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, episode 781 on this now 2nd of August, 2021. Amazingly, the year just and the summer is flying by um, already August. Before you know it, it will be summer will be over before you know it as we just are, you know, roughly a month away from uh, Labor Day. Um, busy weekend. A lot, again, a lot going on. I know you had the Olympics, but again, the NBA has become an absolute year-round sport. <laughs> That's all it is to it. The NBA just does not stop. And we go from, you know, finals to draft, now to NBA free agency. And listen, most of the top guys either signed extensions or um, – signed extensions uh, over the course of last season or read or re up with their teams or re up with their teams in, in this past season. So the majority of the top guys are already locked up. Even on this list, um, Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard are expected to return to their respective teams. Chris Paul opting out. He is expected to get anywhere from three years to around three years, $90 million with the Phoenix Suns. Um, Kawhi Leonard, has two options uh, in regards to his future. He could sign a deal for four years, $176 million, or he could do the, he could do a one plus one where he becomes a, where he signs for one year and becomes a free agent this time next year. And then at the next year, he can sign a super max extension that would be, and that will be worth and that's over $235 million at for five years, $235 million, which would be 35% of the Clippers salary cap. Now, again, <laughs> will the Clippers resign him at that price? Um, that remains to be seen. And I guess the, another question would be, what, is there going to be another team that takes a shot at getting Kawhi Leonard? Now, I think that I'm looking at this list here in terms of teams with the most free agent, with the most uh, spending uh, cap space. You can basically cross out the Knicks. Uh, cross out. The, you can cross out the Knicks, the Spurs, and OKC. Those three teams, I think, will not take a will not go for definitely, definitely not the Spurs. We know that. Uh, but even the Knicks uh, and OKC, they're they're not going. Those will be. You'll have a, a story of a lifetime, the shock of a lifetime, if, if either one of those teams makes a play for Kawhi Leonard. OKC frankly doesn't even have the space. Dallas is interesting because Dallas could make some moves to where they can create more space and go after Kawhi this year and make a play to and make a play against uh, for Kawhi. I don't think that they will do it, but they are in the conversation. Um because you know they have to keep Luka Doncic happy. We know that they need a legit that they need a number two guy. We know Porzingis is not that guy. And Listen, we know that injuries don't matter when it comes to these teams waiting for players. We saw with the Nets, it did not stop the Nets from signing Kevin Durant, knowing full, full well that he was probably going to be out for the following year, at the year, uh, the following season, coming off the Achilles injury in, in the 2019 NBA Finals. So the, the fact that Kawhi Leonard, more than likely, it's not official, certainly, but more than likely, Kawhi Leonard's not going to play this year. I would, I would, If I were a betting man, I wouldn't bet that Kawhi Leonard will play this season. That will not matter as far as a team having interest in them. That is, it just won't. But out of all these scenarios, the more likely scenario is that Kawhi Leonard re-ups with the spurt with the uh, Clippers for the two plus one. Um, excuse me, the one plus one two-year deal with the with a uh, player option next year, uh, which would give him thirty. He would get thirty-nine million this year. And then have the player option the following year, which of course he will opt out and get the super max deal, which would make him one of the highest paid players. He basically would get the same contract as basically what the what the Greek freak got, uh, five years, two hundred and and thirty five uh, million, five years, two hundred and thirty five um, million dollars, maybe even a year longer, uh, a year you know a year longer. I think the Greek freak, the Greek freak. Contract was something five years two maybe five years two twenty five. Well, Kawhi would get five years two thirty five, considering that he's been in the league. It will be his tenth year in the league, and he's going to get thirty thirty five percent 
of the uh, salary cap space for the Clippers, uh, from the Clippers, which again, this is a big question for the Clippers moving forward in regards to what direction they want their franchise to go in. And certainly is a risk taking up, you know, signing Kawhi Leonard long-term without question. Um, look at the other restricted and unrestricted free agents. Uh, Kyle, there's been talk about Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Kyle Lowry um, has been rumored to go to the Miami in terms of a signing trade to the Miami Heat. They have the necessary pieces that they can, they have some moves that they can make to, to land Kyle Lowry. To land Kyle Lowry, so you put him with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, that will put them right there in terms of the Eastern, you know, that they that certainly will improve. And again, and Tyler Hero, um, they would have to probably sign trade, you know, sign trade with Dragic and Duncan Robinson uh, in order to create the necessary cash space to, to to get Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry. But I and certainly you would absolutely do that in a heartbeat, by the way. You would move Duncan Robinson and and and, and um and Gordon Dragic for you know for Kyle Lowry, a guy who's a proven guy and a guy who is still who can still play at a high level. Um, so look for Miami. Um, look for Miami to uh, to be kind of like the front runner there. Again, Dallas certainly would be in the mix. Um, Dallas certainly would be in the mix for for Kyle Lowry. Um, the the Knicks should be in the mix for Kyle Lowry. I think he would be a perfect fit. For um for New York uh for their team uh they would not have to give him you remember when you sign Kyle Lowry you're not going to have to give him a lot of years he's 35 years old you can go two you can go two years probably a third year as a team option so it's not it's not the amount of years he's probably going to get anywhere he's probably going to get two around two years probably gonna get about 20 25 around that 25 million dollar mark. So it's not the amount of years you get. It's not you're not gonna have to go four years uh, to sign Kyle Lowry. I again, you could probably get him for two in the third year as a, as a team option. Demar Derozan is kind of a mystery because Demar Derozan had you know quietly had an excellent season for the San Antonio Spurs. He averaged about twenty one and six. He's not as old as many people as you might think he is. He's only what thirty one years old. Okay. So he can still play at, at near an all-star level. Now, there's been a lot of talk, and I, you know, I heard this over the course of the last two months, over the last month, about you know, the Lakers were rumored to be landing about ten different players <laughs> over the course of the last two months, despite the fact that they were going to be strapped with in terms of the salary cap space. So the Lakers, you had Chris Paul. You heard Damian Lillard with the possible trades. You heard uh, just a number of players were rumored with the Lakers. None of it to me that with Bradley Bill, of course, in terms of uh, the trade, none, none of them that realistic. DeMar DeRozan has, you know, has flirted with the idea of playing with, playing with the Lakers, but the bottom line is he would have to take a massive, and I mean massive, salary uh, reduction. On the open market, DeMar DeRozan can easily get $20 million a year. There are not that many two guards, top two guards in the league. There's just not. You can easily get two, easily on the open market and get anywhere from $15 to $20 million. More likely, probably $20 million on the open market. I just don't see DeMar DeRozan going to play for the Lakers for, the, for $5 million for a veterans minimum or for even less than that. I just don't see it. And by the way, and I, I'll certainly get to this, when we move on to get into the Lakers and, and what happened with Russell Westbrook, the Westbrook trade, is similar to Russell, to, to Russell Westbrook, is, is absolutely, it's not a fit. Hart Rosen is a, a pretty good mid-range shooter. He cannot, he doesn't stretch, he doesn't stretch the floor. He does not space the floor. So, again, it may look good for fantasy basketball, picking up the Hart Rosen, but... I I don't see it. I don't see him taking that dramatic that dramatic of a pay cut. And I, I think Demar Rosen is going to go out and he's going to go out and get his this money, get his money for his last, uh, probably his last big contract uh, of his uh, respective career. Um, Jared Allen, I expect Jared Allen to resign with Cleveland. I think Cleveland, he's a very good player. Um, they will give him, you know. 
I'm not gonna say a a bottomless pit as far as the money, but they I don't think a team another team will, will match Cleveland pays Jared Allen. So I expect him to be back in Cleveland. John Collins is you know there is is a could go either way. Um, if I'm Atlanta, I wouldn't sign John Collins at the at the at at his price. Like I wouldn't sign John. I would not overpay for John Collins. Like I, I would bring, I would bring him back for the right price. So I'm not sacrificing, you know, guys who I want to resign in the future, and putting all my eggs in the in the John Collins basket. I'm not because they have Atlanta has a boatload of talent. They have a number of wing players. You're gonna have to sign Trey Young. You have <laughs> guys like, you know, Cam Reddish. Um, they have a number of wing players, you know, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. I mean, both of those guys are, are they have a chance to be excellent wing players who who can who can shoot the ball, who can defend, who can do you know some of the things that, that Collins can do. Now they're not they're not low post players. I mean, Collins can play on the inside, on the inside a little bit, but though I'm not sacrificing a, a number of guys in the future to re-sign to overpay for John Collins. I'm just I'm just not doing it. As good as he played, as well as he played in the postseason, he played well. I, I, I think if Atlanta does bring him back, it will be at their, it will be at their discretion. It will be for a team-friendly type contract. Like I don't see Atlanta overpaying to uh, resign, um, to resign John Collins, Lonzo Ball. Uh, there are going to be a lot of teams. I think they're going to be after Lonzo Ball. I don't. Exp- I don't think they love him in New Orleans. I think they like him. I don't think they love him. So I, Lonzo Ball can end up in a number of places. Um, there's a there's there's a market out there for him. He is greatly improved. He's a he's above average defensive player. He's a he's an improved shooter with his three point shot. Um, and, and basically, and played very. And they had a good year this year. He really played well. Played well along alongside. Uh, Zion Williamson, but again, I don't get the sense that that, that uh, New Orleans, similar to Atlanta, I don't think New Orleans will bring will will bring him back, will overpay to bring him back. If they do bring him back, I think it will be a, for a team friendly type deal. And I think I I put it to you this way, I, I think it's, I think another team will absolutely. I don't I, I could see another team overpaying for Lonzo Ball and New Orleans saying, you know what, take him. I definitely could see that happening. So again, the majority of the guys that were supposed to be free agents, uh, again, are not free agents. I mean, you were supposed to, this could have been, it could have been LeBron James, it could have been Anthony Davis, could have been a couple other, a couple other guys, but those guys signed extensions. So it is not the free agent uh, year that we anticipated that it might be a couple years, a couple years ago. But still, there will be, you know, there's gonna be some. Here's there are gonna be some moves made, some interesting moves made by teams. Here's what here's what I would say to teams um, looking at this reading class. Aim small, miss small. I repeat, aim small, miss small. That would be my mantra for dealing with ratings uh, with this particular class. There's no reason to over to severely overpay for any of these guys that are that are available. To be honest with you, there's not there's really there's not a guy that's going to put you over the top. That's not a guy like is that guy is not out there. There's not a game changing player that's 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 out there. It's just not. And if Miami just doesn't sign a trade with how Lowry gives him two years for fifty million dollars, thirty as an option, that is not an overpay considering what he does and what and what he's what he's uh, accomplished over the course of his career. That's not that is not an overpay. Like Kyle Lowry is a twenty five million dollar a year player for what he does, or uh, for, uh, for what he's done, for what he does, and for what he would mean to that team. And for the fit that he would be with with, with the Miami Heat. So again, I it'll be interesting to see what trade. Again, I think the biggest thing will be see the, the biggest thing out of this 
uh, free agency will be who gets traded. Will we will Ben Simmons be moved? Uh, it doesn't seem like Bradley. I don't think Bradley Bill is going to be moved. It sounds like Washington is committed to keeping him there for at least going into the season. I don't think he finishes the season with the Wizards necessarily, but at least going into the season, there seems like they're committed, starting with the Westbrook trade up, trying to put pieces around Bradley Bill and trying to convince him to sign a uh, extension come uh, October, which he probably won't sign. I mean, which he, I don't think he's going to re-sign an extension with the Wizards, to be perfectly honest with you. But I don't anticipate that Bradley, that Bradley Bill will be traded uh, this summer. Ben Simmons, again, if I'm Golden State, and I mean, you know, the move to me for Golden State would be to trade Draymond Green for Ben Simmons. So if I put if I if I put a package together where I have Draymond Green, the two draft picks, and two draft picks, and Wiseman, um, that I, then I don't have to give up extra picks, and then I could probably keep I could probably keep Andrew Wiggins, or Draymond Green, the two draft picks, and Andrew Wiggins. If you if you really love James, if you really love Wiseman that much. That would be the move to me. Now you say, well, how could you trade Draymond Green? Well, let's be honest. Ben Simmons is a younger, more athletic, more athletic version of Draymond Green. They do the same thing. Like they're there and they are in essence the same player. Both playmaking, top defensive players. Um, the only difference, I mean, the only difference is at this point, Draymond Green will shoot the ball, but he doesn't make it, but he doesn't, but he can't score. But Draymond Green cannot score. At least, at least Ben Simmons can get you well, can get you 14 or 15, even despite the fact that he doesn't shoot. And you figure in that culture, playing with guys like Clay and Steph, that you know they will be able to convince uh, convince Ben Simmons to actually shoot the ball. <laughs> so, so to me, I, I think that's the. I, now they will not make that move. Um, more than likely, they're not going to make that move. But that's if I would if I were running Golden State, that would be the move that I would make. I would move Draymond for um, for Ben Simmons. I would make that offer per se. Now maybe the Sixers, maybe the Sixers are hold are going to hold. Now maybe the Sixers just totally just don't accept that that just dismiss that offer, which is which is quite possible. Sixers are asking asking for these, you know. Godfather offers, which is their, which by the way is their right. Like, it actually, you know, it actually doesn't make sense. This would, this uh, the Sixers asking for these Godfather offers on Ben Simmons actually makes them look that much dumber, considering how they devalue this guy like five minutes after game seven. It just looks, it makes it even look worse. <laughs> Having your general, having your uh, coach and best player throw this guy under the bus, like before the you know before the players got into the showers, basically after game seven against Atlanta. Because you're supposed to, if you want to move a player, you're supposed to, you are supposed to add value to them, you're supposed to tell them, tell the world all the great things that he is. Not what he's not. We already know what he's not. You're to tell us of the prospective teams what he can. do. We already know what they already know what he can. So to me, that makes it look. It makes it even look. Makes them even look dumber. The fact that they just completely just devalue him uh, after that loss to after that series loss to Atlanta. But again, they don't have to move on Ben Simmons right away. They have time. Um, I'm the Sixers. I want again. To me, there's one name. There's one name only. There's one name only. It's Damian Lillard. Like that that is the guy that I want. Period. It's Damian Lillard. And I and I will it's Damian Lillard. Um and if I have to, if I have to, I will settle, if you want to call it that, for a for 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 a Bradley Bill. But remember with Damian Lillard, Lillard has years left on his contract. So you get Damian Lillard, you don't have to worry about the prospect of him leaving the free agency the following season. Following the season, like you do with a with Bradley Bill, 
So I've had some time to, to fully process uh, what transpired on Thursday uh, with Russell Westbrook going to the Lakers. Certainly, we heard rumors about it over the course of, course of the past couple of weeks. Um, turns out that that was the Lakers' plan B. Their plan A was Damian Lillard, Bradley Bill, and plan B was Russell Westbrook. Uh, with they, they claimed their plan C was, was Buddy Hill. Now, you've heard all the reasons why this won't work, why it's not a fit, and there are, without question, legitimate reasons. Uh, Russell Westbrook's stubbornness, Russell Westbrook's uh, lack of a jump shot, Russell Westbrook's um, defensive li- defensive being a defensive liability, which and which which all these things are true. The reason why it can work, I'm not saying it will, but the reason why it can work is. And this really, it really depends on Russell Westbrook's mindset and where he's at in his career. If Russell Westbrook takes the approach and takes the mindset that Ray Allen, Chris Bosh, and I'll even go back to the 70s, Earl DePro Monroe had took in terms of sacrificing. Earl DePro Monroe went from a number one option to being a number four option. Like when the Knicks, he was he was behind uh, Frazier, DeBusher, and Bill Bradley in terms of shot attempts, in terms of points. He was their number four option on that championship team in 1773. So he made the ultimate sacrifice. And, you know, Westbrook, you know, part of that sacrifice for Westbrook would be moving without the ball. Because this cannot be a situation where the Lakers acquiesce to the needs of Russell Westbrook. That cannot happen. They cannot fulfill their potential in that, that with, with that being the case. You cannot center your team around what Russell Westbrook does. When Russell Westbrook and LeBron James are on the floor, LeBron James should have the ball, period. Now, there will be situations where Westbrook can initiate offense when LeBron is, you know, LeBron sometimes rests when he's on the court, takes a couple possessions off. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that just resting within within the game. He does, he's, he's a master at that as, as, as he has aged and gotten up there, and, you know, as the years have, have gone along. But primarily when he's on the court, you want the ball, especially in the playoffs, um, fourth quarter games. You want the ball in LeBron James's hands. Period. There is not a bigger gap in terms of decision making. Burnt on having two players in the same backcourt as as there would be between LeBron James' decision making and Russell Westbrook's decision making. It's not even close. We we all everybody knows this. Now, when LeBron James is off the floor. Then Russell Westbrook can initiate the offense. He can develop chemistry with Anthony Davis. He can push the pace. Okay. But, but outside of that, this is this is going to be this the success of this team is going to hinge on whether or not how bad does Russell Westbrook, Westbrook actually want to win a championship. Because winning championships is not about stats. It's not about individual accolades. It's about doing things that go beyond the box score. It's about intangibles. It's about valuing possessions. It's about getting 50-50 balls, taking charges. Those are the things that win championships that can put a team over the top in terms of winning a championship. Those are the sacrifices that Russell Westbrook is going to have to make if this team is going to get to the finals and, and, and win a and win a and win a second championship, win a championship for the second time in three years. Now again, you know I heard you know you hear a lot of comparisons to um, Dwayne Wade, which and these are again these first of all Dwayne Wade was a Dwayne Wade for his career shot forty eight percent. From the field, okay. 
Dwayne Wade, and, and again, Dwayne Wade was not a great shooter. We know he was a he was even a worse three point shooter than Russell Westbrook over his course of his career percentage wise, but he just didn't pick as many. But you know why Dwayne Wade had years where he shot over 50%? He had at least three years where he shot over 50%. And three of the four years, Dwayne Wade shot two of the three, two of the four years, Dwayne Wade shot over 50% when he played with LeBron. And the one, the other two years, he shot like 49, he shot maybe even shot three, three to four years, he shot over 50%. It was a year where he shot 54%. It was a year where he shot 52%. And he had a year where he shot 49%. The reason why he shot at such a high percentage as in comparison to West, Russell Westbrook is shot is pure is pure and simple. It's shot shot selection. And Westbrook gave you a a uh, glimpse of him being capable of taking good shots. Um the season uh lat the season before last when he was with Houston. He shot 47%, which was a career high for him. He averaged 27, 7, and 7 and played really that last, the last three months of the season, of that particular season before the pandemic, uh, you know, suspended play, played like a top, and, that's, and I'm not exaggerating this, played like, a, played like a top five player those last three months, those last three months, January through March. He really did. That's how well he played. Played great basketball, obviously. Played some of the most efficient offensive basketball he's played in his career by far. So it's there for him to not shoot threes, for him to for them, for him to um, take better shots. But again, he's going to do. He's going to. I'm not. See, defensively, I'm not even that concerned. Because I think I think Anthony Davis and LeBron will hold him accountable defensively, and they have great. Vogel's a great defensive coach. I think you can somewhat survive him, survive his defensive uh, shortcomings. But the bottom line is Westbrook is going to have to, you know, sacrifice at a level that he's never done, that he's never even come close to in his career. Because he has been chasing numbers, chasing stats since Kevin Durant left and went to Golden State. So for the better part of the last five, six years, he's been stat chasing. Let's just keep it 100. And even he could he could be fully committed and actually go out, go out there and do everything he can to make it work, and they can still not win a championship. So that doesn't even guarantee that they'll win, even if he does, even if he does all the right things. If he doesn't make those necessary necessary sacrifices, they have zero chance of winning a title, of winning a chip. This thing will blow up, and it will blow up fast. And you will see Russell Westbrook traded to his fifth, to the fifth, to his, playing for his fourth team in four seasons. It'll be his fifth team in, four se- in five seasons. Because LeBron does not have a lot of time left. He doesn't in regards to, uh, you know, his clock is, the clock is ticking and it's ticking fast on LeBron James. So again, there's a possibility that it could work, um, but it's going again. This is solely going to depend on Russell Westbrook. How much? How much is he? How much does he want? To, how much is he willing? How badly does he really want to win a championship? So we'll see what happens. Um, the Lakers. A very limited, are very limited in some in some in terms of the moves that they can make as far as filling out the rest of their roster. There are not a lot of guys that are out there that are within their price range. To be honest with you, that are going to take pay cuts. Now you're going to hear names: Patty Mills, Rudy Gay, uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony. Sure, you're going to hear those names. There again, that the the, the, the pickings are, are very slim to say the least, very slow. Again, I myself would have made the Buddy Hill deal uh, trade. And, you know, you make the Buddy Hill trade. So you trade, if you moved, you could, in essence, have moved Kuzman and Harrell 
for Buddy Hill and still had KCP and draft pick either kept KCP in that draft in that in that draft pick or use KCP in that draft pick to to get another asset to bring in another shooter or 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 outright just kept KCP who, who certainly who, who who to me was underrated in terms of what he did defensively and the fact that he was a um, he was one of the better he was one of the better Laker three point shooters last season and played well in that that twenty twenty run playoff run um, in the bubble that the, when the Lakers won a championship a year ago. Uh, it's going to be the biggest challenge of LeBron James's career. It, it really is to somewhat to kind of to I'm not going to say it. Maybe reforms is a strong word, too strong a word, but to kind of like morph Russell Westbrook into this and into making these sacrifices that he's going to have to make. It, that it's going to be by far the way, by far the way, the, the biggest challenge for LeBron James because you're not when you're dealing with Russ Westbrook, he is a guy who has irrational confidence. But there are guys who have irrational confidence who don't have credentials. Like Deion Waiters has a rational confidence. Um, who else I could I could put on that list? Uh, you know, Tim Hallway Jr. has some of that. Uh, you know, there, there are a few guys around the league who just believe in uh, campaign has some rational confidence. And listen, you get to the, this is these are the best players in the world. These are, you know, like the NBA is the highest level of basketball there is. It's understandably so, but it is much easier to bring those guys down to earth and be like, hold up. If you're, if you're LeBron James, you're like, look, chill out, relax. I, I know you believe in yourself, but you, you, can't, you can't do it this way. Much easier to, to bring those guys down to earth versus a guy who has an MVP, who has a gold medal, who has an, an all-star game MVP, who's going to the Hall of Fame one day. You know, top five was a top five draft pick. Much, much harder to bring that guy down to earth. Because he's going to believe he's the best player on the floor. That's how, that's, that is how he's cut, he's cut from that cloth. Even though he's the third best player, clearly the third best player on the, on the, on the Lakers, he's going to believe that he is the best player on the floor. So we'll see how this plays out. Over the season, it should be, you know, obviously fascinating to watch. Uh, but for the immediate, uh, for the immediate future, the Lakers have to fill out, fill, you know, fill out the rest of that roster, and which again, the, the the slim, the pickings are slim to say the least. Over the weekend, a video came out in regard in, in regarding. Uh, Showing LeBron James shoving a fan at a usher rain, at a usher concert. Uh, LeBron was leaving the concert along with his wife, Savannah James, and the fan walked up to LeBron quickly. Walked up to LeBron, approached LeBron with a camera phone. LeBron, you know, before security could even inter could could uh, intervene, LeBron, you know, you. I, it was a gentle shove. I mean, let's be honest. It was a. It was not a vicious or malicious shove. Or the guy would have probably flying out the arena, uh, considering the size difference. But it was a shove, to say the least. Um, it happened so fast that you. Really, I had to watch it a number of times to see where the guy was coming from, or to see how he even got that close to the bond. So, a couple things. Number one, this was. This could have went south so many ways. Number one, there's no way that that guy should have been able to get that close to LeBron James. That's number one. I don't know if LeBron had private security. It looked to me like that security was arena security that uh, that got that got in front of the guy after, almost simultaneously after, right after LeBron James uh, shoved him. But regardless, if if, 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 if you're placing, if you are ideally placing security in an ideal place, you will want that security guard or guards to be in between 
LeBron James and anybody who could walk up on LeBron James. No one should be able to walk up on LeBron James like that. Talk about one of the most famous people. Think about athletes. Just one of the most famous people on earth. Um, no one should be able to walk up on it like that. Like nobody. And remember, that is not a controlled environment, say, like, uh, uh, like a, a restaurant would be. Like we've seen the Lakers. We saw Lakers, you know, after they won the title. We see LeBron after he's won titles that even going in Cleveland, go to a restaurant. He met, I think, matter of fact, 2016, he bought the trophy with him to a restaurant. And, you know, you didn't hear any stories of anything popping off. It, like that is an environment that is certainly much more easier to control. Not the case with a, a, a concert with thousands of people. So maybe LeBron didn't have the proper security detail and people were not in their, their proper places in order to uh, kind of keep that from happening. But again, no fan, no fan should, nobody should get that close to LeBron. And I really can't knock LeBron for, for reacting that way because bottom line is you with, you with your wife. And again, you don't know, even the guy, even the, even though the guy had a camera phone, you just don't know what's in somebody's head in 2021. Mental, mental, you know, mental health, mental health is illnesses are, it's real. I don't, I, I can't assume that that's just a camera phone. I just, like if I'm LeBron James, I have to, I mean, I'm with my wife. I had to treat it as this dude is a threat to me. That's how I had to treat it. So to me, it looked like a natural reaction uh, from LeBron James. Um, again, if you're the again, if you're the fan, and this will be my message to fans. Read the room. I understand that we are rough, we are about two months removed from what two and a half months removed from what transpired in the NBA playoffs with, with Russell Westbrook and Trey Young, and there was another situation where a fan. There were three situations. Um, John Morant. So you had three situations roughly in a week where fans just completely, and Kyrie Irving as well. Uh, you not forget about that one, where, you got, where the guy tossed a water bottle and hit Kyrie Irving with a water bottle in Boston. Where fan, you had about a, for about a week, a week and a half of fans, you know, completely just lost their minds and just were just on some other shit. Um, but the players have not, trust me, the players have not forgotten about this. So these players, I don't care who it is, are going to be on edge when it comes to that type of interaction, period. These players have not forgotten what transpired earlier earlier this summer, earlier in the spring. So, like, you want to take a picture, you can get a better camera. Like, get a better camera phone, period. Get a camera phone, camera phone with, with a Zoom, you know, with some Zoom action. Where it seems like LeBron is closer than he, than what he actually appears, than what, than what uh, closer than he actually appears. You can't walk up to, <laughs> cannot walk up to LeBron James and put a camera in his face. You just can't, it just can't happen. Or no athlete, or no celebrity, like something like that. That situation could have went bad in so many ways, like. So let's say LeBron pushes a dude and the dude falls over and, and busts his head open. Then now we're looking at a, a, a lawsuit and a soul charge of LeBron James possible when, when he was just defending himself and his wife. And again, I can't knock LeBron putting hands on a dude because I... In that in that situation, I if I'm walking with my wife, or even if I'm walking by myself, I might probably would have did the same thing. Somebody approaches you out of nowhere with a camera phone and approaches you like, I mean that that's just to me a just that is just human nature to kind of defend yourself in that way. And again, it was not malicious. Let's not make let's not get crazy about it. You see some of the stuff on the internet. Assault and you're calling it borderline assault. That, that's not assault. People, if LeBron wanted to assault him, that guy would be in the hospital. I want to really hurt that dude. Let's, I mean, come on. 
Yeah, that guy, LeBron is twice that guy's size. He's not a soul at all. Not in the least bit. But again, very dangerous situation considering what could have happened. Uh, the Dodgers, on their bid to repeat, uh, acquire Trey Turner and Max Scherzer from the Nationals. Um, now, again, now, listen, the Dodgers came into this season. A lot of people thought they were going to be absolute runaways with not only the National League, but with baseball in general. They have had a number of injuries. You've had the San Francisco Giants just completely over, just just playing out this world and just, you know, overachieving. Like, just, this is supposed to be a huge They are currently in last check they were about three games ahead of the Dodgers. So these moves probably were necessary for the Dodgers. The Dodgers had a number of injuries over at the beginning of the season to just to star players. They're starting to get a lot of those guys back. A lot of those guys back. They will be getting Clayton Kershaw back. So I mean that listen, the Dodgers on paper are, are clearly the best team in baseball. On paper. Like from you know from one to twenty five to die like Dodgers are the best team. And that goes without saying. So um, these are moves that, that probably were necessary. I know that sounds crazy considering how much talent they got, talent they have, but they prob- probably these moves were probably necessary for the Dodgers to make. We see the Giants get uh, Chris Bryant as well to try to keep up. Um, there were rumors about that Scherzer. And plus, not only did they get they – get, they got they – so there were two reasons you get Scherzer. Number one, Obviously, Scherzer is one of the best pitchers in baseball, future Hall of Famer, just a, a just tremendous pitcher. Uh, you know, has been one of the, has been um, probably over the last decade right there with Clayton Kershaw as the best pitcher or in baseball cumulatively over the past over the last decade. Um, you can toss you you can certainly toss in Justin Verlander in that conversation as well, but those two have, have stood out. But you made this like, one of the reasons you get him is to um, keep him away from San Diego. So there were there were there was a lot of talk on Thursday, Wednesday, or Thursday that he was going to San Diego. But of course, the Dodgers have a stronger farm system than San Diego. Um, they always have a loaded farm system in terms of prospects. So you know they get they got you know the Nationals got four of the Dodgers' top prospects. And, and there you go. And, you know, it's really, you know, it, it really is amazing how things can change in such a short period of time. Um, the Nationals are two years removed, just two years removed from a championship. And the only guy, they have two guys of relevance that are remaining on the team. And that's Steven Strasburg, Strasburg and Juan Soto. Um, they're hoping to resign Soto for the future. And they hope that Strasburg will pitch again. I mean, Strasburg has not basically hasn't has missed a better has missed the last two years with injuries, and who knows what? And he's not a spring chicken. I mean, Strasburg is what he's about thirty three years old, so he's not you know he's been he's been in base he's been around for a while now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, Strasburg came around I think two thousand twelve. I think Strasburg came around that two thousand twelve season. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, or maybe in 2010. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do moving forward. They're clearly rebuilding. Um, they should, again, baseball re- baseball rebuilds, reloads. Um, are not as, you know, are not, can be, it really depends on the organization. Like, a baseball, re- I think a baseball reload, rebuild is probably, you know, it's, it's certainly easier to reload and rebuild in baseball than it is the NBA, but it's not going to be as quick as it can be uh, as a comparison to the NFL. Like you're not going to see the Nationals in the, in the in the playoffs next year or in the World Series next year. Like this is going to be a two to three year rebuild as they you know develop this town, develop these guys as they start you know getting you know picking up you know picking up some of their own picking up some of their own free agents to come play on the team, to come play with them um, in the upcoming years. So it, it's going to be, this is going to be a two or three year process. The job one for them is to lock in Soto. 
Soto is one of the best young players in baseball. You cannot let that guy go. You can't. Again, I understand. A lot of people are complaining about Trey Turner. Got another year left on his deal. I get it. If you had any inkling that he probably wasn't going to sign, now would be the time to move him because he keeping him another year only, you know, and if you don't sign him after this year, that then, you know, the price tag, the price, then you're talking about getting, instead of getting, you know, 190 cent on the dollar, you probably only get, you know, 70 cent on the dollar. The longer he stays, the, the less you're going to get in the trade for him. But I understand that. I, I understand what they were doing from there. And, and again, you got to trust Mike Rizzo. Mike Rizzo has been a top general manager. Uh, that team has been for the better part of the last, you know, decade in contention. They haven't had too many bad seasons. But now they're going to hit a dead period. They're going to hit a period where, you know, they're going to this year, next year, possibly 2023, they're going to struggle. That's all there is to it. They're going to have a, this is going to be a, at least a minimum two-year, two- to three-year rebuild. Speaking of rebuilds, you know, the Nationals won a championship in 2019. Not far before that, not long before that, the Cubs won a championship in 2016 so 2016 you know it's five years ago but that's not that it's not that long ago when you think about it uh mike uh anthony rizzo gone chris bryant gone bias gone like they like this is the cubs you know these are the, <laughs> these are the cubs that we these look like the cubs that we grew up watching <laughs> with harry carey and company uh team that just it, it's just amazing how quickly they felt they fell apart, and it's not like it was a this this thing was sudden. It's kind of, it just happened all of a sudden. You know, the Cubs made the playoffs. They had a couple years where they made the playoffs, even after they won that championship in 2016. It's not like so. It's not like they've been bad for the last three or four years. But um, you know, I guess. And those guys. And by the way, those guys are not old either. The Chris Bryant's. Uh, Rizzo, uh, uh, Anthony Rizzo, those guys are not old. So, uh, very curious situation in Chicago. Um, again, you know, you win it, it's almost, I, I won't say the price of winning a championship, but, you know, it, it, you just you garner more respect for what Atlanta was able to do, all those, you know, the 15 straight playoff appearances. Um, what the card? What we've seen the Cardinals be consistently good, you know, during their during those years. There are a lot of times over the last decade, just consistently have good teams. It is you know, it's not easy, especially with the luxury tax, to year in and year out compete for championships in baseball. You got listen. You can you can call them cheaters. You call them what they want. Houston, the Houston Astros have one of the best teams in baseball this year. So I I, I think you got to kind of kind of. I think we have to really calm down on the cheating scandal with Houston. They paid the price and they're still winning. Okay, all they all all this stuff has been cleared up and they're still kicking people's asses. And then they're still they could they could be in the World Series this year. They could it's not it's not inconceivable that the Houston Astros could win a championship this year. And look at the level of consistency that they've had over the past uh you know five years. So it is not easy to stay at a high level in baseball year in and year out. Uh, the season finale of the Shire, of course, wrapped up tonight. Well, no, it depend, depends on when you watched it. You could have watched it early, you know, Sunday morning, uh, 12.01, uh, season four. I really thought this was the best season, to be honest with you. I thought that um, as far as, you know, how they balanced the storytelling between the kids or the teenagers with some of the other storylines that they had, they, I thought they did the best job at that. Uh, Curtis Cook, who plays Duda, and Yolanda Ross, who plays Jada, were tremendous this season, especially Yolanda Ross. Um, and by the way, I'm glad they didn't, you know, I'm glad that she'll be back next season. If you know that's what I call that mini spoiler alert. Um, that's call what you will, but she'll she'll be back next season. So I'm happy that the I'm happy that they, you know, gave that a semi happy ending from that standpoint. But um, it was a great season. It was a, it really was, and I was down on the show after season 
I really was down on the show after season three. I didn't like season three that much in particular. I know they lost, uh, you know, the character of Brandon, the guy who from uh, um, that played in um, his name. I, I can't think of his name right now, but the guy, the character, his character name was Brandon. So that that certainly was a big loss. They lost the girl that he was, you know, harassing on set. So those were two major losses after after season two that I don't think they recovered from Jerica Jerica that I don't think they recovered from in season three. But uh, I I think I, I think this easily was the strongest season for for that show because I thought after season three maybe they should just wrap it up to be honest with you. So we'll see what happens. Uh, with season five um, and how they kind of, you know, navigate, move along with some of the storylines. They're going to have to have, you know, they're going to have to have a bunch of new storylines next season because a couple of things, you know, a couple of things got closed off for the season. So we'll, we'll see whether, you know, how they, if, they, if they're able to balance the kids, the teenagers, and along with the adult storylines uh, as successful as they were this season. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. Uh, this podcast will be out Monday morning. Uh, as always, you can catch um, this podcast on any anywhere where you find your podcast: iTunes, uh, Spotify, iHeart, and also from also on my just go to my YouTube channel, and certainly you can uh, subscribe, comment, like, dislike comment on any of the content that I put out. Greatly appreciate it. I will see you next time on the next edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm out. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.